Hi, my name is Nikki, and welcome to Quick Picks, a reader's advisory podcast for all kinds of media available at the library. If you want suggestions on what to try next, we're here to help. Once again, Tana joins me to talk about books we loved, if you could call it that that were very difficult to read for a variety of reasons. If you're a reader who wants to experience all of what life and books have to offer, we have some suggestions to expand your worldly and human knowledge with some very hard reads. Hello, Tana. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Nikki. Good to be here. And today we're going to talk about books that'll either break your heart or are hard to read or what did you call them? Books I love that hurt my heart. Yeah. (laughs) So they're important for reasons and they're very difficult subject matter. can be triggering to some, but really important reads for a lot of different reasons. So if you'd like to get started on your first book, go right ahead. All right. My first book is My Dark Vanessa by Kate Elizabeth Russell. Mm-hmm. came out in 2020, right in the middle of the pandemic, and shoved a harpoon in my heart. But other than that, uh, the story is about Vanessa and takes place in two timelines, 2000 and 2017. In 2000, she's 15 years old. She's not a huge fan of the public school, so she encourages her parents to enlist her in a boarding school. So she's going to go to boarding school. The boarding school, she meets Jacob Strain, who is her 42-year-old English teacher. He pays attention to her. He likes her. He praises her. And there becomes a relationship between the two of them. Okay, we're going to fast forward to 2017. Now is the Me Too movement is coming kind of full into play. And another student at the school has accused him of sexual abuse. So Vanessa has some decisions to make. She has some looking back to do. She feels like she was in a consensual, legitimate relationship with this man. And it was just a challenging read. I mean, to to think about this young girl who didn't have many friends, who didn't have a, a good support system, feeling like a relationship with this teacher was consensual, a true love that he loved her, those type of things. Those that was really hard for me to read as a parent. Mm-hmm. In 2017, when she's grappling with these different choices, should she say anything? Should she speak up? Should she keep her relationship kind of a secret? Because no one really knew for sure if there was a relationship between them. And then there was her parents. And I struggled with her parents as well. I had a whole range of emotions, actually, when I read this book. I was frustrated. I was sad, Mm -hmm. I was angry, but oh man, I could not put it down. I had to keep going. Yeah. I remember 
begging you to talk to read this so I could talk to you about it because I had devoured it in probably 24 hours and I had so much feeling <laughs> about it and I just needed somebody please somebody read this so we can talk about it and you finally did and it was like phew okay it I I need to get this out of my system for sure yes and like we said not an easy not an easy read. Oh, no. I mean, you're dealing with so many different triggering things. You've got rape, you've got grooming, you've got pedophilia, you've got obsession and PTSD. Um, she has depression. She's acting out. She's using drugs. She gets into these really unhealthy situations with men once she gets older. The cycle gets repeating. I mean, this teacher ruined her. Yes. He ruined her. And it was so devastating to me to read it and for her to defend him and to call it a relationship and say they were in love. And she hated the intimacy. She hated the parts of it that made it romance or so she thought. She hated all of that stuff because of how horrible it was. And yet she still believed. She still believed it was a legit relationship. Yes. It was, it, we can't say any more. Right. Really, can't give any, any more details. <laughs> Fantastic read. Know that your heart's going to be broken. Know that you're going to be angry and yep. keep going because yeah. it's, it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Very good book. Yeah. Would you say Stockholm Syndrome? Do you think that? I don't know enough about Stockholm Syndrome, but when I was reading it, I was thinking she's in love with her abuser. This is so bizarre. She is, but I think too, she was kind of in love with the idea of somebody just paying attention to her. Yeah. And she hid it so well from her parents. It was one part that I will say I felt really bad for her dad. Yeah. Like, I felt like he maybe was noticing that something wasn't quite right, but that relationship wasn't a good relationship really either. So mm -hmm. they were both kind of stuck. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I mean, she didn't come from an abusive background. Her parents just didn't know how to communicate with her. So. Or with she, each other. Right. So this was just an awkward, intelligent 15-year-old kid on her own in a new environment and the one and only adult that she looked up to started treating her nicely. Yes. And boom. Yes. That's, so, yeah, I think that I think that's all we can say on this one. Yep. Yep. All Be prepared right. if you're going to read it, but <laughs> and, and then you'll want to talk. I do highly recommend it. And yes, and when you want to talk, give us a call at the library. Right. <laughs> we are happy to hash through the details with you. Yeah. We still talk about this book. <laughs> this one that I, when I see the cover, I immediately think about all those feelings again. Like mm -hmm. it hasn't gone away. And I read it a year ago. Mm -hmm. I Same. still think about it. Yep. So that's the kind of book my dark Vanessa is. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. Not next getting book. any more <laughs> upbeat or anything. <laughs> the next book is. The next book is Nickel Boys by Colson Whitehead. 
And first of all, I highly recommend him as an author in general. Oh, yes. I've read a couple of his books and they've both been fantastic. Nickel Boys takes place in Florida. It is a reform school called the Nickel Academy. What in the 1960s. In the 1960s. This is based on truth, true events, a true place. Not necessarily called Nickel Academy, but it is, there was a reform school in Florida and um, it operated for 111 years and warped the lives of thousands of children. That's the tagline we have here. So, and that fits aptly. Mm -hmm. Um, It is the story of Elwood Curtis. Elwood is a young boy in the South Civil rights movement is kind of beginning to reach his town. Um, He's been abandoned by his parents. He's being raised by his grandmother, who is doing her best to keep him on the straight and narrow. He has a job and something happens. And he is sent to this juvenile reformatory called the Nickel Academy. And it says, the mission statement is, it provides physical, intellectual, and moral training so the delinquent boys in their charge can become honorable and honest men. Mm-hmm. To me, that's the biggest lie Yeah. <laughs> of this whole summary of the book. It was, it was an awful place. And there were friendships formed. There was a positive. There were some positives. Some of these boys found a way to look out for each other, help each other, and kind of push each other through what was going on. But there was also a lot of corrupt officials, um, abuse by staff. There was a lot in this book. But the resilience of these boys was what kept me reading. Mm -hmm. So they were able to form these friendships and, and if they were there for a while, were given jobs kind of in the community so they could kind of see what else was going on in the world and that what was happening at Nickel Academy wasn't necessarily what was happening everywhere. Civil rights movement was going on. Elwood believed in Dr. Martin Luther King and he kept referring back to what he what he knew about him, what he loved about him. Then things happen, and there is a point that Elwood and his friend Turner kind of go back and forth with their ideals. And Elwood is very idealistic. He believes in the power of good. Um, His friend Turner is very skeptical. He doesn't believe in the power of good necessarily. They make a plan and the decision that they make has repercussions for decades to come. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you any more than that because that's an important, it's an important part of the book. I thought it was, I thought it was outstanding. I thought it was an outstanding book hard to read. The ending for me was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And one that I did not see coming. Yeah. This won a Pulitzer last year. So 
that says a lot about the writing, the quality, the story. It says everything about, you know, the relevance, all of that. The narrator was also nominated for an Audio Award, and he is my favorite narrator, J.D. Jackson, who co-narrated it. So that was, you've got two two really powerful things going on there. And it was so, this book rocked me. This book just kicked me in the gut over and over. And then in the end, the worst kick of all. And I was like, I may never recover from this. (laughs) Um, I did not listen to it. I read it. So uh, the book, it's short. It's only 224 pages. So it's not, you know, this book that goes on and on forever. It's a, it's a compact story. It just packs a punch. Yeah. And, and for trigger warning, there's brutal, total, inhumane, atrocious abuse. There's physical, mental, and sexual abuse of children. And if that's not your cup of tea, we totally understand. But there's also that racial issue because the school was segregated and people ended up there who didn't do anything wrong, who in this day and age never would have ended up in jail. I think there was one line about a guy who ended up in in there for being in someone else's way. And it's just heartbreaking when you think about how far we've come since the 60s. We're not where we need to be yet, but it's still, it's still better than it used to be in the deep South in the sixties. Just an important book. It really, yeah. this, this line to your point, Nikki says one innocent, innocent mistake is enough to destroy the future. Yes. And that's really what it was. Wrong place, wrong time. And this mm-hmm. happened. And given everything that's recently come out about the Catholic schools and the indigenous kids and the mass graves too. And that was part of what this story told about these African-American kids. The the one quote that has, that really got me was you can hide a lot on an acre in the dirt. And that was what these boys faced. It wasn't like, Oh, you're going to get beat. You're going to end up staying here longer. It was, you're going to get buried out back and no one's ever going to know. That was the thing too, that they were disposable. Yep, exactly. They're, they're, no one's going to miss you. No one will know that you're gone. No, no one, one cares. No one cares. Yeah, just terrible heartbreaking. Message. Terrible message for a middle school aged person. <laughs> for anyone, but yeah, particularly. Yes. Yeah. So hard okay. read, really hard read, but so important, really a big part of American history that I think a lot of privileged white people just either didn't experience or didn't know was happening or maybe weren't born then, but an important thing to know. Very good. Okay, on to number three in our books that I love that hurt my heart <laughs> is Beekeeper of Aleppo, and this is by Christy Leftery. Left Terry, yeah. Left Terry. This book is about the plight of an immigrant and his wife. They are from Aleppo. Syrian war is going on. Nuri is a beekeeper and Afra is his wife and she is an artist. 
So he has been working with his cousin to get this bee colony going, these beehives going. This is what he wants. This is what he loves. I believe his father wanted him to do something different. And this was the path that he was on. So there was some family dynamics going on that weren't always positive. Then there's the bombing and their town is being destroyed and they need to leave. There's no choice. They have to leave their house. They have to escape Syria. And his wife has lost her sight due to a traumatic thing that has happened. Nuri is navigating his grief as well. And they're going to try to get from Syria to Britain. A cousin has gone to Britain and tried to establish himself. And so this is where their end goal is. The plight of these people trying to get from point A to point B was heartbreaking to me. The places they ended up, the things that they had to do, I don't know that I could have done. I don't know that I could have got on a boat in the middle of nothing, in the middle of the night with so many people and tried to sail across the waters. I don't know that I could have lived in the places that they lived. It was just very eye-opening, I guess, for me to read this and, and get kind of this perspective on the plight of an immigrant, the, the traveling of an immigrant, and how they don't talk to each other for for months. Nuri would email his brother or his cousin when he was somewhere where he could get an email through and hope for the best that he would receive the email and maybe respond back that things were still going according to plan. It it was a fantastic book. I can't I don't really want to talk too much more about it because there are things that have happened along the way that are that I think are better discovered on on your own reading it and the emotions that you feel when you get to these different parts and the different parts of their journey and the people that they meet along the way. So for me, it was hopeless a little bit on all the traveling that they did and how they got from place to place. It was also very hopeful in the people they met along the way and how they were willing to help each other out and build each other up the best that they could while still trying to keep moving themselves forward. Mm -hmm. I was particularly moved by all the darkness that you expect during a war. So I, I wasn't shocked when, you know, the people all around them were dying in Syria. I wasn't shocked when he was told that he had to join the army or he was going to be killed. And all of that goes with war. So it's not, it's, it's not nice. It's terrible, but it's not as shocking as the atrocities, the horrible conditions they were in, in the two different refugee camps, one in Turkey and one in Greece. And when you say you expect atrocities during war, Greece wasn't at war where these things were happening. And yet the depravity and the inhumanity that happened to these people and to many other people in the camp, particularly the kids, that 
just blew my mind. And it's not a historic book. This is like within the last 10 years. This is not from, you know, our grandparents' age. This is now, this is happening now. And this is what refugees face fleeing war-torn countries. And then they don't have a safe place to land anywhere. And no matter how awful it was in Greece or how awful it was in Turkey or the boat that was sinking so the men had to float next to it so that it wouldn't capsize and everyone would die and all the people who had died in the water before them, all of those things were still more acceptable because they wanted to get to England to be free than actually going back to the war. It puts things into perspective how how much the human body and the natural tendency to survive is in the worst possible situations and the hope that they'll have something better sometime. Just heart-wrenching. It makes you think how easy your life is, how, <sighs> how we just go places and do things and we have a safe place. There were, yeah, no options for these people. They needed to go. Mm-mm. But there was so much beauty too. And no matter how hard it was for Nuri and Afra, they stood by each other. And there, there are times when he just wished she would die. It would be so much easier if she would just die. Yes. And it didn't, like he never tried, he, he did everything he could to take care of her. And in the end, he was like, it, it, he realized. Yes. That's all I'll say. <laughs> so, and that, and the bees. I loved the story of all the bees. Everything I learned about beekeeping, the apiary, all of that. They had their own shop where they made stuff with the honey. It was it was fantastic. There was there was beauty in this book too, for sure. There were, you know, the descriptions of the places and like I said, the the caring of some of the people they met along their journey. Yeah. Made you have hope. Yes. Yeah, very good. Yeah. So those are our three (laughs) heartbreaking books. Um, Important, really drives home our humanity and gives you a view inside the life of someone who doesn't have the things that we do. All right. So thank you for joining us, Tiana, talking about these hard reads. And if anybody's looking to have their heart broken, but also opened up a little bit, These are books we highly suggest and recommend. Thanks for playing along. Yes. (laughs) And now for Nikki's pick. Small Great Things by Jodi Pico. Jodi Pico does not shy away from making her readers uncomfortable as we chew on things she presents and forces us to consider how we would handle incredibly difficult situations and decisions. The book is one of the most disturbing of hers that I've read, and you may struggle to get through it. What she presents is an African-American nurse named Ruth and her struggle with racism in America and raising her son as a widow. Also, a white supremacist couple who have given birth in Ruth's hospital on her watch. The couple tries to refuse to allow Ruth to care for the baby, 
things happen, and the baby dies. It's written from three perspectives, Ruth, Turk, the baby's father, and Kennedy, Ruth's attorney. It's a difficult read for the average white reader because it's a walk in the shoes of someone who is experiencing racism, and also because it's presented from the perspective of the baby's Aryan father, who has violent and disturbing views on race. It turned my stomach. It made me feel a lot of emotions and consider the aggressions and microaggressions that I am privileged enough to not experience. And it made me agonizingly aware of the diseased mentality that's behind white supremacy. This is an expose on different perspectives. And when reading it, we should all keep in mind that these are three characters' perspectives and not representative of the whole of anything else, just like almost all books ever written. There are parts that are going to be very difficult, and not just because of race, but because of a baby dying, which isn't just glossed over. It's awful. When we read hard books, it's not because we love to cry or feel uncomfortable. It's because this is an opportunity to connect and to have human experiences not our own, which aren't always rainbows and unicorns. Because that's life. But if you're like me, you have to be in the right frame of mind to handle these tough reads. And so they're not everyday fair. But there are many good books that are hard reads, and we hope we've been able to suggest a few with different experiences for you to add to your to-be-read list. And now here's Nick with a suggestion from Libraries. Tutor.com is an online tutoring platform where students and home-based teachers come together inside a virtual classroom since 1998. Tutor.com connects tutors with students who need help in more than 40 subjects. Live one-to-one help is available 12 p.m. to 12 a.m., including math, science, and English help. Tutor.com helps thousands of students get better grades every day. Services also available include drop-off essay assistance, drop-off resume assistance, SAT, ACT, and GED practice tests, and much more. All you need to start is your library card. And that brings this episode of Quick Picks to a close. We hope you join us next time for more suggestions in different genres and maybe different media. My name is Nikki, and Quick Picks is coming to you from the Round Lake Area Public Library in Round Lake, Illinois. The end.